prepare yourself for Star Wars. Shadows of the Empire. The cruel crime lord Shizor directs the Carbonite capture of Han Solo and his imprisonment aboard bounty hunter Boba Fett's battle-ready Slave One. Now, Luke Skywalker goes undercover with Soldier of Fortune Dash Rendar as he rips through space in his battle-transforming Outrider. But can they stop Slave One in time? It's the ultimate ships for the ultimate battle. Dare to enter the shadow, Star Wars, Shadows of the Empire. Because in vehicles, each sold separately from Kenner. Will you get on with it? Okay, okay. Welcome. To Galaxy of Toys podcast, a discussion about Star Wars toys of the past, present, and future. This is our ninth episode. My name is Jason, and joining me tonight from IGrewUpStarWars.com, OT Curmudgeon, Tom. Howdy, everybody. Hey, Tom. How what did you? Oh, was I supposed to wait for you to stop talking? I don't know. Seems like, has it been a while since we've done a show? I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while. Has you haven't it? talked to me in a while. I don't think we've talked, I haven't talked to any of you goofballs since the last show. When so. was that, two weeks ago or three weeks ago? Oh, wait a minute, we, we talked to each other at the, the Pinball Expo. Oh, that's right, I forgot about that. Ah, yes, that's right. Next, from JediBusiness.com, we have Chris. Hello, Chris. Hello there. How's it going I think tonight? Everybody's pretty much waiting for a, uh, a recorded Star Wars message from yeah. you, Chris. Not today, yeah. though. Not, not today. Not Maybe today. next time again. <laughs> well, refreshing, good, refreshing, but yet again, a little disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us tonight from Bendems to the Black series, he's going to collect them all. It's Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. And finally tonight, from Republic Forces Radio Network, now playing podcast and Star Wars Action News, joining us once again, it's Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Hey, guys. How's it going? So, tonight, we've got a few things I wanted to talk about. Um, first, Jerry, since we're welcoming you back, uh, you've got a, proj- a, new, uh, a new project with Republic Forces Radio Network. It's an Ewoks retrospective on the animated series from, I think, ran 85 through 86? Yeah, yeah, that's right. We, we just launched our first episode of that this past week at RepublicForces.com, and it uh, stars uh, Jonathan Barrett, Nathan P. Butler, and myself going through the task of two seasons' worth of Ewok episodes. It's sort of a follow-up from a retrospective we did a couple years ago in the Droid series. So with Clone Wars wrapping up, and we're not really exactly sure what the the bonus content, the you know the leftover lost episodes, kind of how those are going to be released. You know, we'll come back and talk about those once they if they get released and you know we'll probably also go back and do the 2008 Clone Wars movie but we sort of wanted to put a bow on really tackling all of Star Wars animation and Ewoks is is something we hadn't gotten to yet so it's uh it's going to be a lot of fun cool i listened to the first episode and it was it was interesting and entertaining and i'm thinking probably around the time this episode is airing your second episode should be should be posted are is it posting once a week yeah, the schedule's yeah. going to be once a week, so they'll if if it's not out before, it'll probably be out within a few days. I mean, I haven't listened to your first episode yet, Jerry, but uh, how can people watch all the episodes since they haven't actually been released, have they? You know, there there are various ways that the show has been released. Uh, I believe out in the UK, they actually did put a full uh, box set together in some variety. Um, there's a handful of episodes that have been released on some VHS releases. There was a DVD, I think back in 04, 05 that had, you know, a handful of episodes that were strung together, like eight episodes that were strung together to make like two mini movies. 
Some are on YouTube. Some you gotta kind of get through alternative methods. Let me leave it at that. <laughs> um, so we, we, we did have someone kind enough to, uh, lend us a set that they had acquired. So if you, if you listen as the episodes go through though, uh, Nathan does inform the audience of kind of how you can watch the episodes. And, and, and quite frankly, there's some that you really can't get to too easily. Uh, way we supplement that though is that Jonathan gives a very detailed plot summary of each episode. So if you can't watch it, it's kind of like being there. And in some cases, it might be better off just hearing about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I enjoyed Nathan explaining uh, how the episodes are sequenced, especially with the official DVD release and how it kind of how they kind of stitched things together for that. Yeah, it's it, it's odd some of the choices they've made because. You know, one example that Nathan threw out in this week's episode is that they, you know, would string together, and I'm, I don't remember the exact order, but they'll, t- they'll string together episodes 9, 4, 3, and 6 or something goofy, and they'll take the opening from 8 and put it before the start of 9. And it's just, I, I don't know why they put so much effort into trying to string together episodes when they would make like a little mini movie out of them, but it's uh, um, interesting nonetheless. Mm-hmm. The the disappointing thing about the uh, the official Lucasfilm DVD that came out uh, uh, ten years or so ago is that they they removed the theme song, which is one of the better things about the series. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yep. If that's one of the best things about the series, oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, not to give our hand up too much. I mean, it certainly changes episode by episode, just depending on what what we're watching. I would I would warn people this. If you watch Ewoks thinking you're going to see a really good Star Wars story, then you're going to be disappointed. If you look at it from a nostalgic, you know, it's part of the history of Star Wars, and it's just really a cutesy kid cartoon that happens to incorporate known Star Wars characters, if you set your expectations there, which I don't think is necessarily setting them low, it's just saying, hey, that's what the show was. It was Smurfs using Endor. It was... Alvin the Chipmunks using Ewoks. I mean, so it's that's what it was. It wasn't it wasn't even like droids where they're trying to tell you what was going on in the galaxy while Star Wars was happening in the background. This this is very much Care Bears. There you go. I've been wondering if now that Disney uh, owns Lucasfilm, if they have any plans to put some decent sets of Ewoks and droids out on uh, Blu-ray or DVD. I think they should. I mean, we yeah. People would buy them, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, always, I I wanted to buy the VHS and the DVD stuff. I never did just because of the way they were done. I want them at seasons, and I was always disappointed with mm-hmm. that idea. And um, if they put them out as you know the full season, the full set, whatever, I'd gladly buy it. It'd be, it'd be great to get those. Yeah, I I think they should definitely consider that. I would uh, I I would definitely uh, jump on those. It'd be fun to have a uh, Ewoks. Uh, uh, weekend uh, uh, viewing sometime. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah, and then you can uh, go back and listen to the Republic uh, Forces Radio Network uh, reviews of all the episodes, which is that's the, right. The reviews are like like Jerry said. The reviews are really fascinating. Even if you haven't watched the episodes, it's it's still a, fu- a lot of fun just to hear them talk in depth about the episodes. Sounds so, cool. <laughs> Sounds cool, Jerry. Yeah. Did you guys ever pick up any of the, the Ewok toys? Back in the days? I did not. I was out when those came out. I decided I was done with Star Wars. I didn't pick up the toys. I watched the shows. I definitely liked Ewoks better than droids as a kid. 
But now I'm, I've been getting back into collecting the vintage droids and Ewoks figures, so I, I have a little bit of likeness there. Especially, I, I'd love to see the unproduced stuff released. Uh, after seeing Gus's book with the unproduced droids and Ewoks, there were some cool figures in there I really wish they'd done. Yeah, that's that's the thing about particularly the Ewoks toys is that the the most interesting things that they you know at least created in in concept form never got produced. I mean, Ewoks in particular, and correct me if I'm wrong, I actually don't have any, but my my memory serves is that they made Wicket and then like three Dulocs. So they, actually, they made Wicket, Low Gray, and then four oh, they did Dulocs. make Low Gray. Okay, yeah. four Dulocs. Yeah, so four Dulocs. Yeah, uh, you know that that. I don't even remember them being on store shelves as a kid. I remember the show being on, and I just – I don't ever remember that really being a choice. I don't know if they just didn't quite get the distribution that normal Star Wars toys did, but, I mean, I, I could see with that kind of selection the the toys not jumping out at kids. I have a couple of Duloks carded, and it's interesting. I think that's the only toy line that I know of that actually starts out with more villain figures than heroes. That's kind of a rare – that's kind of a rare occurrence. Yeah, nowadays in a toy line, you'd get, like, 15 versions of the hero, and you might get the villain in the second wave. Yeah. Oh, well. Hey, hey Chris, while we're on the subject, I was going to ask you, since you've got the kind of the German perspective, um, d- were you aware of this uh, cartoon when uh, when it was uh, popular back in the uh, mid-'80s in, uh, in Deutschland over there? I was not at all. The only thing I was um, aware of was the uh, the Ewok movie, and I think it was uh, only released uh, on TV for the U.S., but it actually came out in the movie theaters in Germany. Um, that's the only thing I remember from when I was a child when it comes Interesting. to the Ewoks. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Got a theatrical release, huh? Which mm-hmm. means if if now Playin does a retrospective on Star Wars with Episode Seven, they're going to have to include those now. I was just going to say, now playing, you could totally throw that in there because of that, couldn't they? Yeah, yeah that's a loophole. It's, it was theatrically well, released somewhere in the world. Didn't Arnie open up that loophole for something? <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I wanted to talk about tonight, uh, there were some casting calls that were confirmed by Lucasfilm this week. And while I don't want to get into that, I was just wondering, do you think, as a podcast, we should discuss po- spoilers? The closer we get to the release of Episode 7, the more things that will be leaking online. And do you think, what do you guys think about the show? Should we be spoiler-free? Should we talk about what we see? Clearly, the the toys usually reflect a lot that's coming out in the movie. And I wanted to get your opinions. Um, I think we're not going to be able to get around the whole spoiler thing because... You know, like we're all going to be seeing because we're all so interested in the toys that we, you know, we read the news on various different websites. I think that for us personally, I think we're all going to be in the know about what kind of figures and what kind of pictures leak of the toys. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be happy to discuss those, although I'm trying to stay away from any kind of plot points if I can. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how successful I'm going to be with that, but I'll, I'll try to be as spoiler free as I can. But at the same time, I, I don't have a problem with you know, knowing about certain characters that are going to appear in the movie. So, um, yeah, so I, th- I think we should discuss discuss the toys, um, but we should not discuss any plot details that might have leaked or anything like that. Okay. Tom, what's your thought? I'm going to go with Chris. Uh, I guess toys, since we're a toy discussion podcast, it makes sense to talk about the toys, but if I can avoid it, I, if I can avoid it, I would definitely go with uh, not talking about plot points. Ryan, what's your thought? 
I think we're in pretty much agreement here. You know, I don't want to talk about major spoilers of the movie, but you know, anything that comes up in toys, I, I think it's fine with us to talk about. When we limit us ourselves to that. Obviously, when we get when we get uh, casting announcements and things like that, that's going to be kind of unavoidable, and we may end up talking about you know such and such an actor as an action figure or something like that. But um, yeah, I, I'd rather like stay away from spoilers and anything that we think might be a spoiler, even with action figures, we should have like a uh, a pause. We say, okay, coming up, spoilers, you know, mm-hmm. mute or whatever for the next ten seconds or something. But Jerry, you've got quite a bit of podcasting experience, and uh, what's uh, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's actually a good question because I I don't know how much podcasting in the name of Star Wars has actually occurred in the the movie era, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. most of the podcasts that are out and prevalent now came out 2006 and beyond. I know there were a few beforehand. I'm not sure how they did uh, spoilers. I, I think to your guys' point, though, I mean, there's some things that's just going to be very general, common news, Entertainment Weekly, USA Today. You're going to find out who's being cast to play this role. You know, maybe maybe it becomes well known that, hey, the movie's about Kyle Katarn learning how to be a Jedi and Mark Hamill's obviously Luke Skywalker and he's going to teach him. And, you know, there's a general premise like that that I think people are going to enjoy talking about. But you start digging into websites that are just, you know, leaking things like, hey, Luke Skywalker dies and he's going to mm-hmm. die like this. You know, that, that, that kind of stuff you probably want to stay away from. And I would yeah. really recommend staying away from reading the um, track list to the soundtrack of the CD <laughs> where it's uh, Qui-Gon's funeral. At, Good you know, point. Five Why weeks before you see the end, yeah. Yeah, or whatever it was called. It's like, <laughs> now what, what I had on the toys for uh, episode two was, I remember, you know, getting those toys, what, three weeks before the movie came out, and I, and I remember ripping open that Tuscan Raider and his head coming off. <laughs> I'm like, <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> and a uh, Django Fett, too, right? His, his head was magnetically, and you pull that right, off. Right, like, that's right. Oh, yeah. this isn't yeah. going to end well. And I seem to remember, like, we'd never heard Count Dooku named as Darth Tyrannus until we saw the toys as well. True. Yeah. And, and he had Anakin's arm. I think that popped off in one of the figures from, yeah, 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 from yeah. Dooku. So, yeah. I'm going to hate opening up that Princess Leia figure with the scratch and sniff on the back uh, that smells like an AARP uh, membership. Well, that should smell just like where uh, where you live, shouldn't it, Tom? <laughs> That's true. I'm won't even notice, familiar Tom. with that smell quite well. You're so familiar, won't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for ruining my joke, you jerks. <laughs> ah, it's a pleasure. Yeah, I think what Jerry said was kind of right, that podcasting's kind of just started after the prequels ended for the most part. I know some people were podcasting before that, but on a more mainstream level, it's definitely a new territory. The internet pretty much spoiled as far the prequels, for me at least. I mean, I think I pretty much knew all the plot points before all three prequel films came out. So I think uh, it's going to be more of my willpower to not find out uh, big spoilers. But since our podcast is talking about toys mainly, and I think we should cover the toys, and if they give out a little bit of information about the films, then that's just the way it's going to be. I'm really excited. I am going to start collecting uh, the toys to the new pre- uh, the new uh, sequels. No, you're not. <laughs> just, just kidding. Even just, I don't believe that. Just kidding. <laughs> and speaking of toys, uh, images, since our last uh, episode, images of the carded figures of Black Series 3 and 3 quarter inch 
have started to appear, and I wanted to get your just a quick uh, run through what everybody thinks of the new packaging. I think it looks okay. It doesn't blow me away, but um, you know I collect loose figures, so the packaging isn't really that important to me. Tom, what what do you think about this new Black Series packaging design? Uh, it's black, <laughs> and it's weird. It's not it's not really a card anymore, is it? It's not like the traditional card. It's more like a box. Am I correct in that, or am I? Uh, I think off? you're thinking of the uh, the six inch figures. Those are kind of like oh, in a box. I see. I see a picture now, but and the, it is yeah, it's pretty striking. Um, yeah, well, it's black and it's <laughs> a series, so I guess it's all right. Ryan, do you like the new black series packaging for the three and three quarter inch figures? Um, I think it's okay. It's definitely better than some of the crappiest card designs. Like I would take that over the stupid stormtrooper designs from 2008 any day. Uh, but um, I can, I'm also kind of thinking about how that would look if I want to do a carded set. I'm not sure if I want to do – I've done a carded set of original trilogy characters before, and I stopped in 2008, and then I picked it back up with the vintage collection. I'm trying to decide if I want to do it for these or not. And how that's going to look on the wall, though, with all those just black packaging like that. Yeah. Uh, if, if that'll look good or what. And – I really, I think I was listening to Star Wars Action News this last week, and uh, they had a um, a guy talking about just design and everything, and, and how you can lose the figure, like take Darth Vader in in the package, and how you kind of lose him in all his black in that black card. And they mentioned the idea of having an insert or something for each character, much like I mean, even Kenner did in the old days. They had a different color behind each character to make the figure pop a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see an insert that behind those that would help a lot, but I mean the car design in general I don't think is bad. I, I like it, but they had something so you could see the figure a little bit better. I think that would be good. Yeah, something to make the figure pop would be a cool idea, Ryan. That's for sure. Ryan, yeah. do you like how on the cards they're putting the number, the num, the numbers on front where you you know a lot don't they normally go on the back of the cards? But on this series, it looks like they're putting them on front. Do you think that's a good idea? I don't mind. They did that before. Uh, they have. Two, they've had the number on the front. Uh, Saga, they had the number. It was on. It was in the little bubble insert piece, mm-hmm. but they've had the number on the front before. I don't have a problem with that at all. Jerry, what are your thoughts on this new packaging design? You know, overall, I I find it very generic. Not not generic in the sense that you know we haven't really seen a, a card artwork like this before for Star Wars, but. At quick glance, all the cards look the exact same. And that's pretty much like what Arnie, Marjorie, and Justin were talking about on, on, on Star Wars Action News last week was, you know, how do you get these cards to jump out? And, and the, the point that was just brought up around, like, how would, you know, how would 30 or 50 of these look if you were putting them on a wall? I, I think the cards are going to blend all together in such a way that the figures might pop out at you because, you know, a, a white biker scout, for instance, on a black card is, you know, there's a lot of good contrast there. And, you know, Yoda's News actually just, I, I think today that we're recording, just posted some images of the Biker Scout and Clone Trooper Sergeant, Anakin, Clone Pilot, you know, all the kind of the, uh, uh, some of the prequel and then Biker Scout. There, there's a few things about this card. I guess you're going to have to see it in person to really know how that the contrast works, you know, with a, a Darth Maul or Darth Vader. I would say if, if the black of the card was like a really 
high gloss, you know, UV varnish type thing on there, and the silver was foil. I bet it'd be absolutely gorgeous. It'd be really beautiful with those sort of like subtle highlights. I don't gather that's what's what's going to be on here, though. I think from a cost perspective and whatnot. So I I kind of kind of get the feeling that the whole Star Wars of it gets lost in the card art. You, you have the orange lights, you know, the Bespin Death Star type thing down the side, and you know that's a Star Wars element for sure. But the rest of it, I, I just I don't get the the one thing that really jumps out to me on this card is being cluttered and a little uh, ugly and it's on all cards, but there's so many times that it gets lost and everything else. But at the very top of the card is this really large warning choking ha- uh, warning choking hazard. I know that has to be on there, you know, small parts, not for children or three, but suddenly it just it really jumps out and clutters up that card in a way that I really I, I don't dig it. And, and my other comment, what, actually, you know, my, my day job is a, uh, I'm a structural designer for uh, folding cartons. So I do a lot of design work with paperboard and, and cartons and whatnot. And this isn't a cart, of course, but one thing that's going to be a pain in the butt for us shoppers, or, uh, you know, the collectors going through these at store shelves, the little J-hook on the car that these things hang on the peg, it is, it is so small and such a... Um, kind of a, a, a narrow radius that goes around that, these things are going to be falling off left and right. When you're trying to sift through them, you're going to be knocking these things over. I don't know why they don't get a good a good hook on there for that to really hang on there, but I, I'm i not loving it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan. I'm going to look forward to what little I buy, just tearing them off the card and, and you know, storing, storing them loose. I'm kind of curious how long they plan on running this card design, whether it's just going to be a year or, you know, a couple years. I'm thinking maybe when Rebels, Star Wars Rebels comes out, maybe they'll switch up designs, at least for that line. Um, I think it's unfortunate that they went with the same design as their 6-inch figures. I think it would have been nicer to differentiate the 6-inch figures, kind of make them, if they're if they're making them kind of their special, then I think uh, maybe a different packaging, uh, just a different theme might have been better because... I ask a lot of when I talk to people about the Black Series, they automatically think I'm talking about the six-inch figures, kind of like Tom was earlier on the show. Um, and then you like have to be like, well, not that Black Series, the three. You know, it just seems kind of confusing. I I almost kind of wish they would have just separated it by calling it something else. Right. The name is really confusing. Yeah. And think, the packaging design as well. Yeah. Sounds like an eBay eBay disaster waiting to happen. Too. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, but I'm I'm excited to see new figures, even if I'm you know not I'm not certain my thoughts on the packaging. It looks like a lot of empty space, but excited to see new figures, exciting to see new products. And Chris, today you made a discovery of something actually new. Yeah, I went to Toys R Us today and I discovered the uh, a new FX lightsaber, which was Anakin's saber and it had the uh, the new Darth Vader packaging. And that FX Saber actually has um, a feature where you can change the blade's color. So you can have either Anakin's Saber, which is blue, and then you know you switch it to red and you have Vader's Saber. Is this the first product that we've seen with the new uh, Hasbro uh, Vader design on it? Is this the first thing? Uh, well, it's the first time I've seen yeah. the new design in the store. Yeah, so that's kind of exciting then. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So hopefully the figures and uh, the new product is not too far behind yeah because we are going now on uh, six months of doing this show with uh, pretty much 
zero new product. So it's kind of exciting. Maybe soon we'll have something new to talk about. You know, Jerry, last time you were on the show, we kind of joked that we couldn't find anything. Nothing was out. And that was a few months ago. That was three months ago or something. And (laughs) it's still the same story. Nothing much has changed. So as usual on our show, when we don't have anything new to talk about, we switch over to the old. And our focus topic tonight is going to be Shadows of the Empire. Ryan, this was kind of your idea, so uh, why don't you uh, let us fill us in on, on on what your thoughts about this show? Well, I was just trying to think of things that we could do, and I thought, you know, we were all, I think we were all really into the collecting at the time Shadows hit in 96. Uh-huh. And, um, Definitely. Yeah, and we all remember the hype and everything for it. Everything came out with it and how much it was like, it was like a movie without an actual movie being there all the product coming out. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to just take a retrospective and look back at that stuff. Well, I think that's a good idea. So let's start. First off, there was a a novel uh, written by Steve Perry, which came out in May of 1996 on a hardcover. Did uh, any of you read this novel? Uh, Tom, did you happen to read it? You got it, baby. I read it. Didn't (laughs) like it, but I read it. What didn't you like about it? Oh, it was just kind of boring. I, I understand that, you know, this is... Technically, this is the perfect. This is the perfect. I mean, between Star Wars and Empire is a great time, right? But, and let, but Empire to Return of the Jedi, that seems like a other a, a, another really good premise for a story. And I think they just it just kind of fell flat. So we've got we've got Dash Rendar, who's kind of the stand-in Han Solo, and. And some stinky lizard sleestack dude who's great with the, the with the girls, and it's just, <laughs> you like that, Ryan? It's just, it's just, it's just terrible. And uh, let's just backtrack just a little bit. I for anyone who's not familiar with Shadows of the Empire, um, it did take place. The story took place sometime Spoiler between. Alert. If you haven't, yeah, if you haven't read it and you plan on reading it, you should go read it and then you know come back if you still want to. <laughs> the book takes place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, and there's this criminal organization called Black Sun headed by Prince Shizor. That's how it's pronounced in the audio book, at least. I think not long after it came out, they said that's how you pronounce it. Even right. though in some of the audiobooks I've listened to recently, I can't remember what it might have been, uh, Scoundrels or one of those, they they, had, they said Shizor. I heard all sorts of different <laughs> Well, it's funny because when, when you say Shizor, that sounds a lot like the naughty S word in English. In if you say that in German, yeah, Shizor. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan, did you read the novel when it came out? <laughs> oh, yeah, I bought it first day and read right through it. Uh-huh. What'd you think? Um... I was reading all the Star Wars novels at the time, and, and I will say it was probably on the upper half of coming to the, kind of the Star Wars novels at the time. There was a lot of crappy Star Wars novels back then. <laughs> and um, it was, I, I put it on the upper half. Not the best. There was definitely stuff far better than that. I enjoyed it. Um, I was deeply disappointed with uh, how they killed off Shizor in it. Um, if that's a spoiler, but I don't care. They what? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my honestly, God, they killed them off? They, they oh, had the no. whole they had the whole tension between Shizor and Vader throughout that whole book, and then to have Shizor just killed on the skyhook far away. I really wanted Vader to slice him in half. Yeah, and you know we got that comic pack with Vader and Shizor in it, and Vader's got his lightsaber. I was like, come on, slice him in half. That's what I want. That's 
what this comic book pack is is uh, portraying to me is that he's going to slice him in half. Where was I? Yeah, uh, Chris, did you have a chance to to read this novel? I did. Um, actually, back in the days, I was still living in Germany at the time, and you know, it always takes a while. At least back then, it took a while for books to be translated. So I had to pick up the uh, the original version of the book, and my English wasn't very good at the time, so I read sentence by sentence and there's probably like every paragraph had like two or three words in it that i didn't understand so i had to write the words down and get the dictionary and then look it up but i was so excited about you know just a new star wars story that i wanted to read this book so badly and uh yeah so i kind of made it through the book that way but it was really it took forever and it wasn't much fun reading because if you just you know don't understand a lot of it and you have to like constantly look up words and stuff Mm -hmm. um it was a little little tough but i guess something good came out of it other my, my uh vocabulary increased quite a bit so. yeah, yeah three times three times more painful for poor chris over there in germany <laughs> there you have it shadows of the empire helps you learn english okay <laughs> jerry uh, i didn't ask you uh, when i was asking you to be on the show if you had read the novel but had you ever read had did you read the novel shadows of the empire yes i have i i'm not exactly sure why i didn't read it then i think it's probably because i was very disappointed with the toy line that i never really got you know as primarily a collector i never really got pulled into shadows because i didn't dig the toys but i ended up reading the book like in 2000 2001 once i started working and doing some business travel i you know downed the book on a flight to wisconsin and back and was actually kind of kicking myself a little bit that I hadn't read it before. And because I, I kind of enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, there's some things that are contrived in it with like Dash Rendar being your stand in Han Solo. And yeah, I completely agree with the whole thing with Prince Caesar around, you know, why don't you have kind of that final battle between him and Vader? But, you know, overall, I thought it was a pretty good read. Yeah, I read the book when it came out and uh, I had I, parts of it I did like. There's a part where. Uh, Vader is trying to heal himself in the meditation chamber, and I thought that was really interesting to read. Uh, things like that were good. Um, I actually did like how Ryan, sorry, but I actually did like how Vader got rid of Shizor. It just made yeah. him—it just made him seem so in- insignificant compared to Vader that he can just, you know, goodbye because he did it because he's, you know, not just a rival but also messing what with his son with Luke, right? Right. Kind of a protective father type moment for Vader. Um, I think the problem I had with the book, my main problem was the, the character Dash Rendar. Um, he seemed like a clone of Han Solo. His ship, uh, the out was it the Outrider. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Seemed yeah. like a clone of the Millennium Falcon. And I thought, you know, if you want a Han Solo type and a Millennium Falcon type ship, why not use Lando Calrissian? I mean, he's right there in Empire in Han Solo's clothes. I mean, why didn't <laughs> why, why did they why did they feel they have to bring in a new character to do something that Lando was perfectly suited for? And that's my I think that's my biggest complaint about the the not the film. It wasn't a they tried to make pretend it was a film, but the book. If, if if there isn't a better point made in this podcast, there it is, folks. That <laughs> was a very good point, Jason. You know, and also around the same time, a series of comic books came out, uh, six issues from Dark Horse Comics called Shadows of the Empire, but it did not uh, follow the novel. It was kind of set uh, same. I mean, it was set around the same time period, but it. It had more to do with the bounty hunters uh, trying to uh, fight over Han Solo and Carbonite. I think a lot of it was Boba Fett bringing Han Solo to Jabba, and he had to 
outwit some of the other bounty hunters. But it was kind of a, a separate story, I believe, than the novel. I don't think it was a direct. <clears throat> what's the word? Well, it was a, it was parallel storytelling. Parallel, they're, yeah. They're yeah. they're using the whole multimedia experience to tell you one story over here because the video game was yet another take. It was Dash Rendar very specific, and mm-hmm. it, it's fun. It's funny you actually called it a film though because there was a soundtrack. Yeah. Right. It was. <laughs> yeah, it's composed by Joe McNeely. And Ryan, I know you're a, you know, you're a music instructor. What what's your thought on the soundtrack? You know, when I first listened to the soundtrack, of course, I'm a huge John Williams fan. And there was stuff that was really cool about it. Um, the one of the funny things I remember is at the time I had a very early CD player. I got like 1990, and when I put that in my CD player, it would not play track one. And that was a uh, an enhanced CD, if you remember that. Like you could put it in your CD-ROM, and it would have yeah. material for it. And that was one of the first ones I had like that. But it, for some reason, my CD player would not play track one. And so I figured, oh, that's just the enhanced stuff. That's not really any music. It was like years later when I had another CD player and put it in, and all of a sudden, oh, there's a track one. There's the main opening theme to Star Wars in there. And, it went into it. Um, on the whole, I thought it was an okay soundtrack. There was some stuff I liked, and there was some stuff that was just kind of, eh, it, it was okay. Uh, Joel McNeely's not a bad composer. I've heard some of his other stuff. Um, I don't know. I think it would be much cooler if it was all John Williams, but are you going to get John Williams to write music for a non-movie? I highly doubt that. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the answer is no, Ryan. Right. I'm no music teacher, but I can answer for John. No. <laughs> There was also a follow-up comic series called Shadows of the Empire Evolution, which uh, was a five-issue series, which started uh, February of 1998 and ran for five months. Although the first issue of the comic says one of six, uh, it's actually just five issues, and the rest of the comics say like two of five, three of five. I think maybe they had originally planned to go six issues. It... uh, the Shadows of the Empire Evolution comic series takes place after Return of the Jedi, and it kind of picks up with one of the characters, Guri, from the novel. It's It was okay. I, I, I kind of read it once and pretty much never thought about it again. So Hasbro was pretty involved with Shadows of the Empire. They released a series of action figures. Um and they were using the they were still using the Kenner name, even though Hasbro I think was you know, producing the figures, they were still using their Kenner, the, the name Kenner that they had acquired. They put out five figures for the basic assortment. Uh, Leia in Boosh disguise, who pretty much looks just like she does in Return of the Jedi. Dash Rendar, who kind of comes with some funky gun and crazy backpack that it attaches to. Uh, Chewbacca in Bounty Hunter disguise. Now, Schnuva! Yeah, in the novel, in the novel, he's definitely called Schnuva, but nowhere, I don't believe anywhere on the packaging does it actually say Schnuva. What, what is it? I thought it was Snova, Snuva, well, no, Schnu, Schnuva. Something. There's yeah. no, there's no Schnu in the Snova, or is there Schnu? I don't know. Right? I don't is know. there Schnu? I always took it as Snuva. I don't remember an H in there. I'm yeah. going to double check the packaging. But. It's, it's like a Chewbacca with a flat top and a crazy axe and a cybernetic eye or something, you know, fits right in with the rest. <laughs> and uh, everything about this Luke, whole series was just garbage. <laughs> Luke Skywalker in Imperial di- Guard disguise, which sounds pretty cool until you look at the figure. It's not an Imperial Guard that we know from Return of the Jedi. It's more of a um, Power Rangers type helmet with some crazy ears on it. I'm not sure uh, if this. Yeah, I don't know about that guy. And then the final figure for the basic assortment was Prince Shizor, 
with energy blade shields. Did all of you guys, well, we'll just go around. Did you pick up these, the basic assortment of figures? Tom, I'll start with you. Yes, absolutely. Which one was your favorite? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Let's see. We had Schnoovy. We -hmm. had Dash. We had, uh, I am going to go with uh, Princess Leia as Bosch. Okay. (laughs) Or Boosh. Gosh. Bosch, Boosh. I'm going to go with Princess Leia. We have to listen to that audio book again to get the the names correctly. We had already seen, um, out of all of them, I think we're going to, I'm going to go with that. We'd already seen Boosh, uh, Princess Leia, and Boosh disguise, but... Yeah. Uh, considering that every all the other ones were so ridiculous with the the sh- Scheisskopf with the, the with the clamshells, with the blue clamshells, and then we had uh, the punk rock Chewie, and then Dash Randar with that hugely ridiculous. What was that? A steady cam he was holding? I don't even know what that was. <laughs> so I'm gonna well, go with I'm gonna go with uh, with uh, the Princess Leia. That was a, that right. was a pretty cool figure. Kind of yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah. I Chris, love it all, but then I hate it all. Chris, what are your uh, thoughts on these figures? Do you have any favorites? Um, well, I picked them all up when they came out, and if I had to pick a favorite, I'd go with Dash Rendar probably. I actually like the uh, the blaster, like the, the blaster rifle, how it's how it attaches over the shoulder, mm-hmm. and I always kind of felt that it, it fit really well into the hands. So uh, that would be probably my favorite figure out of the assortment. Okay. Ryan, which one did you like the best? Well, I'd probably have to go along with Tom, is that, that Leia Bosch, um, just because that was right out of the movies. We were used to that. But I, I did like, I, I know you made fun of it, but the uh, the Luke and Imperial Guard disguise, uh-huh. um, I kind of like the concept that there was this different thing. The helmet was kind of cool. Uh, I even did a custom of Lando in that disguise, since that appeared in the book as well. Right, because in, yeah. in the novel, Luke and Lando both put the costumes on. Right. Guys, if I if I if I'm not mistaken, um, these these figures were still kind of looking bulky, right? These were kind yeah. of, of yeah. these yeah. were kind of the end of the solo flex era. And, yeah. and I will say, you know, they've gone and, and redone some of these figures now. With uh, they, well, they did redid Shizor anyway. Um, I would love to see a redo of that Luke and possibly a Lando in kind of the modern sculpting idea of that Imperial Guard. I think that'd be really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Actually, some of those other characters were pretty, pretty neat. Really, if you're considering yes. some of the secondary characters, it would be kind of fun to see uh, uh, the droid of uh, Dash. What's his yeah. name? Right. The the droid was named Lebo. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there was also a female. Guri would be a Guri. Yeah, Zuri. I actually did a custom of Guri as well. Yeah. Um, there you go. At the time, you could just take the uh, the original Leia and paint her dress like red and whatever. And then there was a dragon heart figure that if you painted her hair blonde, it worked really well to make a glory. Jerry, what are your thoughts on this wave of figures, the Shadows of the Empire? Yeah, the, here's what I remember about this. When these toys came out, we were kind of in a drought at the time, kind of like we are now. And so when these items hit, it was, A, it was easily recognizable because you had this new purple card. And it was really exciting to see something new. And I, I remember very distinctly when I first saw this line hit, the, the first item that I had found at, at store shelves was the uh, Boba Fett Slave 1, which was the first time it had been re-released. You know, it was the, the, the vintage mold and had all the, you know, the Han and Carbonite and, 
you know, you also had that two pack with Boba Fett and IG-88 and that Boba mm-hmm. Fett was, was painted up differently as more of the empire design versus what we originally got on the orange cards. And I just remember how exciting that was to, to get that. But then, you know, this line was five figures deep, at least on the, the individually carded. And, and you guys hit the nail on the head. There's so many new, pretty interesting characters that never got figures in this line. Gurry, the, the droid, and there's, there's a lot of opportunity that this line had. And the entire line really ended up being peg warmers. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I went to a Walmart. You guys probably experienced this, too. You know, at the time, I was uh, going to Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, and there was a Walmart right there near campus. And every day after classes, I would just ride over there on my way home, and it was, you know, 20 Prinzizors every day, or maybe uh, the occasional Chewbacca and Luke and the Imperial. I mean, it was just constant. They hit a point to where you just couldn't stand seeing them anymore. Um, I know, by the way, I did look it up. The, uh, the word Snuva appears on the back of the Chewbacca figure, like in the little file card. It talks about how he uh, adopted the weaponry and the look of a well-known Wookiee bounty hunter known as Snuva. So the, the word is kind of hidden in there. Somewhere. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And you said the uh, two packs. There were uh, two two packs that they released. One was Prince Shizor versus Darth Vader which came with another Prince Shizor figure, and he was holding this really long... I don't know what this thing is he's holding. It's a long stick with a... (laughs) (laughs) It looks kind of like part gaffy stick and part stick. Lightsaber against a stick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what Ryan wanted to see. He wanted to see... Yeah! (laughs) He wanted to see Vader fight Shizor with the stick. (laughs) Would have been interesting how long that stick would have held up against the lightsaber. (laughs) Good point. And, and it should be noted that in that two-pack, both figures were actually different from their previous releases. They have different poses, right. both Shizor and Vader. Yeah, and does anyone besides me remember that, okay, the Vader that came with this two-pack, his cape was sculpted slightly different than the standard Power of the Force 2 Vader. Yes. Does anybody remember uh, people at least saying that they found this version of Vader on a single card with a green back absolutely. from Power of the Force? Yes, yes. It, it absolutely. It did. I have it. Okay, you yeah. have it. Ryan, you yeah. have it. Well, yeah. it, it. And the the way it was most easily obtained was through the JCPenney catalog. Oh, there was a There was a four-pack of figures that they cobbled together. Um, Han in his trench coat, uh, Lando in a skiff guard design. I forget the fourth one. And the other one was a green-carded Vader. Well, most of those was this retooled Vader. It's not just his cape. You know, his his legs are kind of at a stance. His arms are yeah. at a slightly different angle. But it fit right in that bubble. Well, I'll be darned. Yeah, and it, and it, and it also, uh, yeah. So actually, you know, I, I'm glad you both of you can confirm that this was a real figure because I looked for it for a while, and then I started to maybe think it wasn't true, that people were just making stuff up on the – AOL message boards or whatever was going on at that time. Yeah, you know, um, if you're looking for one of those, I think the toy stable actually has one. Oh, really? Yeah. How much? How much these days will uh, something like, like a you know variant like that go go for? Um, I'm not sure. Five bucks. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Tom, how how much point. are you willing to pay, Jason? Tom, did you have that one before all your Power of the Force two figures got <laughs> stolen? No, nope. no, I did not. I did not have that one, but I did have. I was in it to win it. Remember back That's in '96, right. I was. Uh, was it '96? 
Yeah. Yeah, 96. Yeah. Summer of 96. I, uh, I had all these, and I had the loose uh, two packs and boxed as well. So, mm. yeah, I, I liked them. Man, I made an effort to find these, I'll tell you. And when I saw them, when I finally found them in a Kmart, I uh, jumped up and down. Yeah, and the, the comic that they came with were uh, unique. They weren't the same comics. I don't think they were the same com- comics that um, from the regular Dark Horse release. They were Dark Horse comics, but I think they were uh, – believe they were a variation although i'm not 100 percent sure they were dark horse but i i, I yeah. never read the comic series so i couldn't it was like you. shadows of the empire special any yeah. anyways and then the other two pack which is pro- was probably my favorite uh part of this whole release because it came with boba fett which i'd already you know already had which was cool but the ig8 ig88 figure um like jerry said this was uh pretty exciting because you did get the boba fett with the empire deco but i just loved getting the ig88 it was a new original trilogy you know character that hadn't been made in a modern version yet so i was really excited about that figure and i remember putting it next to the vintage figure trying to figure out if it was cast from the same mold and i i'm still not sure i think it was yeah i think it was joint it looks exactly the same Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's very similar in the sense that I, I, the head, the arms, and everything. What was unique about the IG88 figure is that he had like this interesting articulation, like right in the middle of the body, right. where I'm not really sure he could physically turn because it was like right in the middle. It wasn't at a joint, but <laughs> it it did have some art added twisting going on there. There's twisting going on here, Jeremy, Jerry. Jerry, <laughs> um, having a great actually- time with this. The the fat was actually not only just a different color scheme, but it had a different pose too. It wasn't the exact mold, same mold as the previous fat. I'm uh, looking at at these figures. I've actually got both sets and sets uh, carded in my hand right now, and it, and the packaging does say includes exclusive full size Dark Horse comic books. So that leads me to believe that these comics definitely were different than the uh, the the standard uh, comic book release at the. Yeah, I, I remember I remember reading the Boba Fett IG-88 one because I actually opened that pack because I thought those were cool figures to use elsewhere other than Shadows of the Empire. I mean, they fit, obviously, in the Empire really well. And if I recall, that comic was very specifically about IG-88 hunting down Boba Fett with Han, you know, just like a dogfight, ship-to-ship type dogfight that I don't think that story was captured anywhere in the, in, in the other comics. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what the Vader and Zizor one could have been about, though. <laughs> hey Ryan, uh, yeah. what is IG88's ship named? Oh crap! Um, Wasn't they it? Made, they made the micro machine of it, but I think it's the Houndstooth, isn't it? No, or isn't is that, that Dengar's ship? I think it's Bosk's ship. Is it? Oh, okay. It, no, it, Dengar's is a toilet. That's what we learned from Robot Chicken, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think all these toys can <laughs> land right in the toilet. <laughs> Especially um, that. Like especially that. Uh, it was like the IG two thousand. Oh, okay, like, yeah. But uh, I mean, if we're going to talk ships, and I, I, I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but hey, uh, Chris, what about how about that? Uh, how about that uh, Outrider, buddy? What do you think? Oh, I liked the ship when it came out. Really? Did you? Yeah, I liked it. A little disappointing. I mean, it was, uh, it was definitely, you know, it was definitely supposed to be the size of the Millennium Falcon, right? Yeah, I guess uh, it was definitely uh, some sort of you know Millennium Falcon knockoff. Yeah, that was uh, a, that was about uh, that was a glorified mini rig, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah. It, so the, the the Outrider was Dash Rendar's ship, and ha- and Kenner Hasbro Kenner released 
two vehicles that were exclusively Shadows of the Empire vehicles, one being the Outrider. Right. Which is kind of like, a, what, a combination of the Millennium Falcon and a B-Wing fighter or something? It had the... Yeah, kind of. Right. Something, yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah. Exactly. Um, kind of pivot on itself. And then they also introduced the Swoop with the Swoop Trooper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you never you never really see, like, in the if you pick up the graphic novel and they have that whole chasing sequence, like, you never really see one of those characters, right? Because they're all, like, outlaws, or they kind of look very different from the figure that they produced. Yeah. Right. And, and they had, like, that Jax or Jinx or whatever his name was who was on the swoop stuff. Like, they covered him in that storyline, but they never made a figure of him, but we got this weird swoop trooper. Would have been a great figure. Going back to that... Oh, yeah. That that character would have been a really cool figure to see. Yeah. I the thing about the swoop that I did not like was that big uh missile launcher that's on the side of it. It kind of it kind of irritated me. Well, that was extra play value there. That was yeah. that was Kenner's. That was so he could shoot at the cruise missile trooper years later. Yeah, that was the <laughs> the death throngs of Kenner. <laughs> the cruise missile. This uh <laughs> uh Ryan, do you know is this do you remember around maybe 2000 Three, they released an Aura Sing figure with yeah. a swoop. Is this is this kind of? Did they kind of retool the same yeah. swoop? Okay, they so it's, it's the exact same mold. They just added like the whole skull thing. In fact, I, I have that. I can take pictures of it. But it it is. It's the same mold, just with uh, an extra piece on the on the front, like on the handlebars. It'd be fun to see the uh, uh, the original Shadow swoop and then the Aura Sing swoop side by yeah. side. Ryan, make that happen. I'll do that. I'll write that in my notes here. Okay, Jerry, what's your uh, what was your thought about the vehicles for this uh, for Shadows? What's really interesting about the Outrider is, and I don't know if there's been any confirmed accounts of anybody actually being able to fit their Dash Rendar figure in the Outrider. It, I got it, mine in. Does really? Because I, yeah. I've always heard that it doesn't fit very well. Because Dash Rendar's got you know like as you mentioned earlier, Tom, the the solo flex, and he's got that weird pose. And if you look on the box. For the Outrider, they don't even show Dash Rendar in there. It's like clearly like an airbrush or something because I'm not sure if they can get in either. So I'm really impressed to hear that. But what the Outrider reminds me of is you, you know how they've just recently come out with the vehicles at a smaller scale so they can hit that 1999 price point. But when you really look at them, they're like, wow, this isn't a Slave One for a three and three quarter inch figure. And I don't think they're selling very well either. But this is kind of what the Outrider reminds me of. I mean, this ship should be so much bigger and i know they're just trying to hit that you know probably at the time a 20 dollar price point but yeah it, it wasn't anything that again i think it, it's things like this that made me just not really care about what shadows of the empire was and thus the reason why i didn't read the novel for four or five years later it just wasn't a very good vehicle but yet yet it got a re-release in the green in the green box yeah <laughs> it did. Wow. The, the outrider did Yes, yeah. it was in the purple wow. shadows, and then yep. you know '97, you know, with the special editions where they oh. introduced the green artwork. They reissued. The Outrider it. was in the special edition of Star Wars, so. You know, I've always heard oh, that Ryan. That's right. That the Outrider takes off. Uh, would it be uh, Mos Eisley? Mos Eisley. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Can you yeah. really see? I, I've looked at yeah. this. I've looked at oh, it sure. a few it times. Yeah. Oh exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. really the Outrider. Yeah. Very obvious. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna have to look at that again. 
you know, that just, it's so ridiculous. Does the the Outrider really need to make a cameo in Special Edition? Listen, one of the uh, deleted scenes from the Special Edition was apparently Mon Mothma and Admiral Akbar at the uh, Moss Eisley uh, Shiloh Inn, but you didn't see that scene. It's just a a big intergalactic trailer park is what Star Wars has turned into. It's (laughs) just ridiculous. And they threw the swoop, they threw the swoop into the Special Edition as well. Right. Like that conehead guy or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Hey, now that's a fig- we haven't. We, I don't. You don't hear many people asking for that figure, but that is a character recognizable they've never made, right? Which yeah, they one? did it in the Micro Machines, but they never did it in Hasbro. The uh, the conehead on uh, was he a conehead guy? I always <laughs> heard him. I always heard people call him like Bubba Fett or something. Okay. <laughs> conehead guy? I don't know. You know which I, I'm not sure you know if he had a conehead. swoop that goes at the Ronto and knocks yeah. the Jawa off. There's the driver of the swoop. Is right. What oh, I thought that was a hat, but okay. No. And they've never well, made it. could that. be a hat. <laughs> I'm surprised, but they have not made that figure. And it never comes up on the polls, I don't think. Uh, we we should start we should start a campaign for that. I don't want that figure. Oh no, <laughs> I'm still I'm still waiting for uh, Grandma Ewing. Uh, exactly. <laughs> now, okay, here's you know the toys I collected them. I had you know I thought they were okay, but I think the big disappointment was that they did not make Prince Shizor's ship the Virago. Oh it's, yeah, definitely. Does anybody remember how cool that ship was? Actually, a cool ship. I thought. And oh it yeah. Really cool. They did an action fleet of it. It's an awesome ship. But, right. Yeah. Now, weren't didn't they put? You know, I think online I saw somewhere. Didn't Hasbro actually have some mock-ups of the ship? Weren't they planning on making it? Yeah, I seem to remember they did a cardboard mock-up, and it was supposed to come out. Um, but yeah, it never happened. Never went. I don't. I'm not sure if it ever went to plastic production, but I know they had a cardboard mock-up. Yeah, I think that would have been cool. Oh yeah. And that that ship actually showed up then in some video games, if I remember correctly. Not just the Shadows of the Empire game, but uh, I want to say one of the Knights of the Old Republic games or something. Uh, it shows up in there somewhere. But uh, oh, yeah, that design stuck around. I see. And was anybody else a little disappointed that Prince Shizor was not in the Clone Wars season five episodes? When <laughs> sh- <laughs> his his species uh, looking his at the car- clothing was yeah because. Well, like- when we did that episode for Republic Forces, you know, Nathan described to us about how Caesar would have had to have been like 17 or 18 in that and couldn't have possibly been among the leaders of Black Sun at that point. But oh. it would have been kind of a cool nod since we obviously are so familiar with him. They could have had Prince Caesar like the Elder or something, right? <laughs> yeah. And Prince Caesar had like some special pheromone power that he used. Yeah. And they didn't. I don't even think they referenced special pheromone yeah. power. <laughs> they didn't uh, get into that in the Clone Wars, which probably are probably for the best. Come with, uh, with pheromone action, right? Yeah. Special pheromone action. And uh, <laughs> mommy, my Prince Hezor smells. It makes me want to take it to bed. No. <laughs> now this was a time She's when the fragrance. <laughs> much uh, there was a competing toy company. Louis Galoob, or just Galoob, that also put out some Shadows of the Empire figures, vehicles, and the Micro Machine series, and also their Action Fleet series. I picked up all the Action Fleet uh, vehicles, and I thought they were really cool. Um, Tom, did you pick those up too? Oh, I was, I was like, uh, I was a, 
I was Ryan back then. I was picking up anything and everything that had the Star Wars logo on it. So you got it. Uh, these micro machines and Action Fleet. Action Fleet was a pretty cool uh, run of toys, really, in and of themselves. But yes, I, I definitely got these and, and, and liked them a lot. Now, unlike uh, Hasbro, Gloob did not make, at least for Action Fleet, they didn't make the Outrider, did they? Is there an Action Fleet Outrider? No, they didn't. They did it no. in the regular line, but not in the Action Fleet. They did the Micro Machines, though, right, yeah. Ryan? Yeah. There was yeah, one yeah. of those for the, uh, for the Micro Machines. And the interesting thing is the, the actual regular Micro Machines were actually a KB Toys exclusive. And the only reason I remember that, because I was working at Toys R Us at the time, and I did a presentation about Shadows of the Empire to educate our staff about what that was since it was coming up. And it was in that I discovered that the Micro Machines were going to be exclusive to KB Toys. So I had to go across the street and buy those at the mall. Uh, Chris, did you ever collect uh, the Galoob products? Nope, never got into that. No, you stayed away. Was it hard? Was it hard to resist that stuff? Um, no. No? No. It just never appealed to me, you know? Yeah. I wasn't going to collect the the Galoob stuff at all, but uh, once I started seeing it in the stores, I it just looked cool. I needed to get to get the stuff, especially the Action Fleet. I really like the Action Fleet. Jerry, did you collect any of the Gloob products? Yeah, I was very much into the Action Fleet because I was such a fan of the Kenner Micro Collection that I felt like Action Fleet was you know, pretty similar in the scale of the figures, obviously not die-cast, but I, I thought they did some really good things with the vehicles in that line. I didn't get into the, the, the actual Micro Machines lines, especially not by the time that Shadows came out. I, I had bought them when they originally came out because they you know predated the, the Kenner collection coming back out, but eventually I, I just kind of dropped that. But Action Fleet, I was, I was all in. One other company produced figures, and this is one of Tom's you know, favorites, is <laughs> Applause. Applause got, applause got in on the action. Well, no applause from me, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and they made a Prince Shizor and a Dash Rendar figure. I don't. They, I don't know if they made any others than that. Those are the I only two I can it. remember. Yeah. yeah these aren't it. these these figures. These applause figures aren't even worthy uh, as a dog chew toy. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're terrible. But but you so you didn't get them. These are things that I easily passed on. But you were but like you said, you were Ryan back then. You didn't get them. All right, Jason. <laughs> All right, calm yourself, buddy. It's sad, no, talk, I, 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 I have the applause she's or I yes. well, I was I was a uh, more uh, uh, I wasn't quite Ryan. Maybe I okay. was. You were yeah. like that awesome. Were you? You were. Do you, you still. Have, <laughs> do you still have those, Ryan? Um, I never That's got the dash Rendar, but I got the she's or, and I still have the she's or. Yeah. Okay. What was the other one? There was a dash Rendar then too. Yeah. Right? yeah. Dash Rendar and Shizor. I don't know why, yeah. but never Okay, did. well, I take it back, everybody. I wasn't Ryan back then. I was more like Jason. I think uh, I think that the applause, I mean, I know, um, Jerry, you mentioned that the Kenner Kenner figures just peg-warmed forever. I think the applause figures were still hanging around well into the prequel area, era. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody think, uh, wanted these. I think some Sun Club... I think some Suncoast stores closed in the mid 2000s still carrying those figures. Yeah, I would doubt it. That's probably why I have the Shizor is I bought it on clearance or something, and they didn't have the Rendar anymore. So. You've you've heard about the uh, you've heard about the uh, the the landfill in uh, the desert where they uh, buried uh, <laughs> uh, ET Atari cartridges and Pac-Man. <laughs> yeah, they're doing there's, a documentary a, about land... digging those up. 
there's a landfill. That's another. That's another podcast, Ryan. There's a <laughs> there's there's a landfill uh, somewhere filled with Shizors and Dash Randars and uh, um, Wedge Antilles applause figures. And you know what, Ryan? You know what? What? No one's looking for that. <laughs> no one. No one's looking for that. Landfill. You know. I have to announce this now. I didn't plan on talking about this, but since you brought it up, Tom, I think we will have an applause show at some point. I think we need to do it. Ah! We'll go through. <laughs> we need to find. Are there any experts? Are there any like applause like experts who like you know, know that company in and out who we could bring on the show? I would like. I would very much like to talk to them. <laughs> I have a lot of the product they did, but I definitely don't have all of it. I have. To, I can can honestly say I never bought one single applause product. Can you do me the uh, <laughs> can, can you do me the uh, pleasure of uh, uh, taking pictures of all of your applause figures and 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 uh, posting it to the Galaxy of Toys Facebook page? That'd be great. I, I could do that. that. Right? You know, you if, want both the big ones and the small ones. <laughs> oh my gosh, they made small ones too. Yeah, hit me with yeah. everything. Okay. If uh, if next year isn't any different than this year, we definitely will be getting to the applause show. I I know it. <laughs> Is applause still around, guys? Jerry, are you gonna are you gonna join us for that one? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> Jerry, did you uh, collect these uh, applause figures? But no. But let, let let me tell you the role that applause played in my life, and I'll be brief. The applause figures were the kind of things that people who kind of knew me like a sister-in-law or you know maybe a um maybe an aunt or something would get me an applause toy for uh you know statuette or whatever you want to call it for like christmas or birthday and you're just like oh hey great <laughs> yeah exactly uh applause figures were kind of the what do we get the star wars fan in our life but we don't want to take the time to get something good yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i could agree with that that's pretty much what it was yeah yeah the video game, we mentioned that earlier. How many of you uh, played Shadows of the Empire? Uh, I think it was released for Nintendo 64. I'm not sure if it was released yeah. for any other consoles. Was it, it just was on It was on PC as well. No, it was. Yeah. Okay. It came out on PC a little later than the, yeah. uh, the uh, Nintendo 64 one, though. It was oh. exclusive to the 64 to begin with. Though. Okay, so let's go around and see if anybody has experience with the game. Tom, did you play the game? You got it. What'd Those... you think? Pixelated polygons were perpetually. Oh boy! <laughs> it was a good game, guys. It was a good game. It was. Okay, that's all I gotta say. Uh, those those goofy uh, uh, controllers still hate them, but I played Shadows of the Empire at a buddy's house uh, all the time. Loved the game. Great. Um, yeah, can't say anything bad about it. That was the that was when uh, uh, Lucasfilm was hitting them out of the park with. Uh, great games uh, for uh, Star Wars related games. Chris, did you play uh, the Shadows of the Empire game? I did, and it was also one of the reasons I picked up the uh, the console back then. Um, it was really cool. Like um, you know, I remember really liking the Hoth levels they had, and uh, you know, back then the whole 3D kind of thing was still fairly new. And uh, you know, even though the, the Shadows of the Empire itself wasn't the storyline and the book and stuff wasn't all that great, but I I really enjoyed the the overall experience, you know, the, the whole storyline with, you know, with the book and then playing the game and then the toys and, you know, it really kind of got you involved in the whole thing. So that I think that was really special about the Shadows of the Empire, but the game itself, um, 
it's just okay, but you know, still at the time it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the time it, it didn't get any better than that, Chris. I don't think. Ryan, don't forget, don't forget the, uh, the what was it, the mud wampas or whatever. Those they had wampas on mm-hmm. Hoth, and they had they had wampas somewhere else on some other planet. That was yeah. Bigfoot. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ryan, did you did you play the game? Oh yeah. Um, at the time. Um, at to- I was working at Toys R Us. I-, I worked Big Ticket, which was like the big items, but I also helped work the security booth, which was all the video games. Back in the days when you went to Toys R Us and had to pull a ticket to go buy your video games, if you remember that. Um, and uh, at the time, I was thinking, ah, you know, the 64 was coming out. I don't really need to buy video games anymore. I'm ready to be done with that. And then they announced Shadows of the Empire, and I looked at it more and more, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And so I ended up pre-ordering the 64 as well as Shadows. Just because of that game, yeah. and uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun game. It it it, it had some stuff like I I know probably anybody who played it got really tired of the uh, IG88 junkyard level because that was a hard level with the uh, little train things you had to go through and that. Yeah, that was great. It, it was a hard level and it took a long time and you get really tired of that. But it, it was a good game for its time. You know, a similar story. I I, I saw it like a demo at a, a JC Penny. Oddly enough. And I was so tempted for that game alone to buy an N64. I didn't. You know, I, I waited a little bit, and then, but then eventually picked it up for a PC. And that was kind of a kind of a new world for me at, at that point because I had just gotten a computer that could handle a, a 3D graphics card. So I, w- I was playing that game. I was playing Jedi Knight 2. I mean, I, to, to me, I was just was having so much fun with these with these Star Wars games I could play in such a manner. And I, I played Shadows of the Empire a lot and from beginning to end. And if you were ever a fan of the Atari 2600 Empire Strikes Back game and, it, you know, and being the snow speeder attacking AT-ATs, and then you went and played that level, you're like, oh, wow, this is, this is exactly, you know, the Atari 2600 brought to a 3D world. And that, that opening, those opening levels where you learn that Dash Rendar was actually at, the Battle of Hoth and was there an Echo Base, which is just odd, uh, you know. <laughs> talking about the whole you know soap opera of like everyone knows Star everybody. Star Wars trailer and, park. Yeah, exactly. Everybody was everywhere and everybody knows each other. Uh, but overall, the, I, I thought the game was was fantastic, and I'm glad it came out on the the PC. I, I I just played the soup out of it. I didn't. I never picked up the game or the Nintendo 64. I think um, I was. I remember thinking about getting it, but I kind of was burnt out on Shadows of the Empire after reading the novel and just being so, so impressed by it and with the buildup of the toys. I think, uh, you know, I just, I probably should have maybe played the game. Maybe I would have liked it, but uh, just never got to that part. And looking at my list, there's, oh, I forgot something. One thing I wanted to, another thing I wanted to mention was the collector cards by Topps by, with artwork by Greg and Tim Hildebrandt. The, uh, there's a series of cards put out by Topps. Um, they're all paint, painting, paintings by the, by brother Hildebrandt. Um, did anybody get those cards? I picked up the whole set and liked, liked them for the most part. Tom, did you get the cards? I did. And one thing, but I do have to say one thing that bothered me, and I know that the Hildebrandt brothers, awesome. They were the first ones to, uh, they, they created the, the first, uh, Star Wars poster. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of their um, models that they used for photo reference were Kenner toys, yeah, which bothered me. Yeah. The, the Millennium Falcon was not the sleek, flat, long, <clears throat> excuse me, sleek, flat, long um, ship that it should have been. It was the bulky, 
kind of definitely the Kenner Kenner toy that they yeah. used for reference. But other than that, I mean, they're they were bright and really nice, a little little animated for my taste, but uh, uh, really kind of kind of cool. But that's the only gripe that I've got. I totally I, know. I, totally I did know have them. Yeah. Yeah, I totally know what you're getting at with the vehicles. The, the Falcon really stuck out. You really could tell that was the Kenner Falcon. Another thing that kind of stuck out was one of the cards was the Ada and the Snowspeeder. And the scale between the two vehicles, you can really tell that they were probably looking at the Kenner toys. Because Well, here's, here's the thing. I mean, when you've got these artists and and someone's brainstorming around the Kenner you know, conference room table, and they, th- they say, hey, I've got a great idea. Let's get the original guys who painted the star wars uh poster for star wars and that would be a great tie-in i can imagine that the hildurand brothers were not star wars fans they were they just had a gig and they painted these pictures you know they they painted these paintings and they could find as they had to find as much reference as they could good or bad so they banged it out and there it was so that's what i think happened i could be wrong but uh chris did you Collect, do you collect these cards? Did you? Um, I don't really collect them, but when when those came out, I did pick up some of them, and I got close to a full set—not an entirely full set, but I got close, and mm-hmm. I just kind of lost interest at some point. Um, I never really went back and you know chased the rest of them down. So, but at the time, they were cool. Yeah, Jerry. What about you and cards? Do you collect cards? Did you collect these? You know, in general, I, I will pick up a lot of the Star Wars sets. I didn't buy these cards when they came out. I didn't, you know, collect the set, buying packs or anything like that. I bought them years later at a comic book shop here locally in Cincinnati that just happened to have a complete set of these shadow cards for like five dollars. And you know, I just I just picked it up because it was five dollars. And I was a big fan of the Hildebrandt's work on some previous Marvel sets. They had done like a Marvel Universe uh, set of cards that were fantastic. So knowing it was Star Wars and that it was Hildebrandt art, I just uh, $5. It was, an, it was a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that wraps up the product uh, review for the night. But well, before we end, I do want to go around and ask. And this is a question kind of about Disney, you know, Marvel has done a lot of direct-to-DVD or Blu-ray releases of um, animated series. They've done not just animated series, but they've done just, you know, movies, uh, animated... Direct-to-DVD yeah. movies, yeah. Yeah, direct-to-DVD movies, that's what I'm getting at. Do you think it would be a good idea to do this as a direct-to-DVD um, animated movie? Um, Tom, would you be interested in that? I would watch it, yes. Yeah. I would, yeah. Sounds like a great idea. Does, okay. <laughs> wow. All right. Boom, that's boom, n- done. That's not the answer I thought you were going to give, but okay. Uh, Ryan, I think it'd be cool. I never even thought about that until you mentioned it. But uh, I've watched a lot of the the DC direct stuff, um, and that's been some really good stuff. And I, to do that with Star Wars, I think that that would be really interesting and take something like Shadows of the Empire and do that with. I, I'd be all for it. I'd definitely buy it. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, I I agree with Tom and, and Ryan on this. I I'd be totally down for that. Jerry, do you think that would be a good idea to do a direct to DVD animated version of Shadows of the Empire? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that would be um, something really fascinating, especially to bring, even if it was done like a little, I don't know, multi-part mini series, kind of like what the DC did with the whole 
uh, Dark Knight here recently. There was a part one, part two that just came out months apart. Because you know yeah. you have you have a story in the game, you have a story in the comics, you have a story in the novel, and it would be interesting to see them all come together in the one media that Shadows of the Empire never existed in, which was anything on film, you know, be it live action or animation. So I'd, I'd be totally for that. And what a what a fascinating way to open the floodgates for things like the the Zon trilogy and the um, oh, yeah. uh, golly, you know, whatever it is you want to see X wing this. I want to see Splinter to the Splinter of the Mind's Eye. <laughs> La- La- Lando Calrissian Adventures, yeah. you know. Um, I I think I'd like to see it too. I think it would be visually visually it could be really cool and interesting. The only problem, and I guess this is more of my problem with Shadows of the Empire, not necessarily an animated movie about it, is that in my mind, I like to think that after Empire Strikes Back, Luke just kind of meditates, heals, builds a lightsaber, and doesn't do a whole lot until Jedi. I kind of like the thought that he just kind of thought about things for a while. And this book crams a lot of action that seems kind of improbable to me between the two films. Yeah. He was but, part of the boffins that died to get the the Death Star plans too. Yeah, like that. yeah, but but I, you know, if if they released it, I I would not kid anybody. I, I mean, I wouldn't kid myself. I'd definitely pick it up and watch it, and maybe even enjoy it. You know, I've I've I feel, you know, when we started an hour ago with the podcast, I I didn't really give it a thought, and before you know, for so many years, but thinking about it, I mean. It, that era of Star Wars collecting, 1996, that was even pre, that was before the special edition. That was probably a electric hype that you we won't get until maybe next year when the when the new movies come out. Mm-hmm. You know, this was when Kenner came back. This is when Galoob was 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 cranking pretty good toys out. Um, it was it was a fun time and and this was I think uh, a good way to keep the magic going until we did get the special edition. So was it uh, it was definitely uh, 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 Kenner's way. I don't think Luke, who do you think came up with this idea? Was it Kenner or you think it was Lucas? Think it was Lucasfilm. Wow, Lucasfilm. From what oh, I yeah. from what I remember reading at the time. I don't know if it was a Star Wars Insider or some one of those magazines that Lucasfilm wanted to keep, since there was nothing really going on with Star Wars until the re-release of the special with the special editions that they wanted to get Star Wars in the public eye, and they this is what they came up with. It's now, interesting I, that you know, like that you brought it up, Tom, because you know when when Jason earlier asked. Um, if we picked up those those cards, and, and I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, I actually did pick those up, but I wasn't really quite sure why, because I'm not really into collecting cards at all, but back then, there wasn't really, I mean, that much Star Wars stuff around, so, you know, there's this new stuff coming out, and it had the Star Wars logo on it, and like, nowadays, you know, we're just flooded with, with stuff, you know, all kinds of collectibles, but back then, there wasn't really that much stuff around, you know? Well, I was still convinced that after a while, Star Wars would go away again. You know, mm-hmm. how, how mm-hmm. wrong was I? I was, yeah. wor- when Shadows of the Empire came out and none of the figures were based on any of the movie, uh, the, you know, any of the movie costumes or, or at least, I, I guess, Bosch was, but the rest of them, I was worried that that was how things were going to be going forward, that they weren't going to retread the uh, original trilogy designs, but just start making all these 
you know, like they were kind of doing with uh, their other lines at the time, like Batman and whatever else, just start making crazy versions of every character instead of like getting back to the to the trilogy. So I don't know. I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, after Rocket talking firing R5D4. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, after talking about it, I think I might revisit the book here in the next couple of weeks just to uh, kind of uh, rekindle my love for Shadows of the Empire. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of show how silly I am, I actually ordered the soundtrack for Shadows of the Empire from Amazon as we spoke today because, as as I mentioned, I was like, you know what? I actually don't own that. So I, <laughs> I one-clicked it about 30 minutes ago. That's funny. But I, that's, I bought that funny. day of release, but yeah. <laughs> so did I, Ryan. So did I. You know the soundtrack for the Shadow of the Empire was the only thing I think I ever won. And they had back back in the days they had the uh, um, I'm not sure if it was even called the Star Wars Insider back then, um, but they had a, the film a fan club. Yeah, well, back in Germany, I think it was uh, I think they called it the Journal of the Wheels or something. You won. You wow. won the soundtrack, Chris. Explain. Yeah, they, they, you had to mail in a postcard just to participate. You didn't have to answer any questions or anything, so I mailed in the postcard. And then, um, I don't know, like four months later or something, I pick up the, the magazine at the, at the newsstand and I saw my name that I won. And, uh, and then they mailed me a, a copy of, of the soundtrack and had like this, um, it, it looked like the retail version except for the disc itself had, um, a stamp on it that said promote, only for promotional use. Wow. Um, so it was pretty cool. So that's I think that's the only thing I ever won. That was the uh, the Shadow of the Empire soundtrack. You know, as a little bit of a footnote to this, I was looking at just toys they've made that's Shadows related, but they've made recently. And I think we already mentioned the comic pack here recently that that Hasbro did. And yeah, Zizor and the Princess Zizor Leia, Leia from yeah. yeah from the whole I guess when the pheromones were in action. But here's the yeah. one that really really jumped out at me. I I didn't realize this that. The Titanium series, you know, once it was under Hasbro's name, actually made an Outrider. Oh, really? Yeah, and here's here's the here's the really weird part. There is one on eBay right now, still packaged, and the uh, the seller has a buy it now of sixty dollars on this thing. And then there's a wow. loose one. Yeah, there's a loose one that is forty, and those are the Holy only cow. two on eBay. So it must have been. I guess maybe legitimately rare. I mean, I I don't remember seeing it, and I I picked up quite a few Titaniums. Yeah, I never got into titaniums. I just did the Galoob diecast, and when mm. it was done with Galoob, I didn't do them anymore. Interesting. I didn't know they made the titaniums of Shadows of the Empire either. No. Oh. All right. Well, that actually does wrap up our show tonight. Remember, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at galaxyoftoys at gmail.com or hit up our Facebook page at facebook.com slash galaxyoftoys. And I'd like to thank my co-hosts tonight. Tom, thanks for uh, stopping by. Thanks, Jason. Uh, Chris, Ryan, Jerry, good talking to you again. And Chris from jedibusiness.com, thanks for joining us once again. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Ryan. Yo. Yo. (laughs) Take off, Ryan. Our ninth show is in the can. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again. All right. What, what can are you referring to? <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry, uh, good having you back, and we look forward to having you uh, back on the show again. Great. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, don't forget to follow us at doing the Ewoks show at republicforces.com. Will do. Okay. Well, let's have that one last round, and good night, but not 
Goodbye. Just one more round, friend. Then homeward bound, friend. Don't forget me in your dreams. Just one more song, friend. And then so long, friend. The nights get shorter, it seems. Just one more rhyme, friend. Yes, it's a crime, friend. But you know time, friend. Time can fly. So it's good night, friend. Good night, but not goodbye. <laughs>